0: This is part three of the Love Prince Repeat 50th episode special, The Seven Words from the Cross. We reach now Jesus' third words of the cross, and to help me talk about that is Tawalafa Angi We are talking about when Jesus speaks to his mother and his beloved disciple. Woman, behold thy son, behold thy mother. Welcome Lofa, and welcome back to all of you in this part three of our very special episode. Well, Tawalafa Angalangi, welcome to Love Wins Repeat's 50th episode, our Seven Words from the Cross special.
1: Hi, Liam. (laughs) It's it's really lovely to be a part of this 50th um, episode um, celebration.
0: Yeah, so just to like, you know, maybe not everyone knows you because the other guests on, the, uh, on this podcast special are previous guests, but you are our, our new, uh, the first-time guest uh, and you're our look to the future, uh, as it were. Uh, you and I knew each other, met through ministry formation. You are an ordained uh, deacon in the Uniting Church of Australia, yeah. uh, in Australia, and, uh, and, yeah, we met through that process of um, formation.
1: Yes, that's correct. But um, I was also your, what do they call it? I came as your shadow when you <laughs> finished up.
0: <laughs> my, uh, my much, my, my much more skilled successor. Uh, I think that's yeah. You you were working at Macquarie Uni for a while, where I worked, and and now you're in a different university. You're up in um at uh, Charles Sturt University in Port Macquarie.
1: Yes, and look, congratulations. This is a 50th episode, and the other thing is um, you, you really established, you established something really wonderful uh, as a ministry out there at Macquarie Uni, and I know you don't like to brag about that, but you established something really um, brilliant for the church and most, those of us who shadowed <laughs> some of <Wow>. that work. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you. Um, later on, we can, we can sing me and my shadow together. That, that'll stand <laughs> it and, and, you know, and really drive the subscribers away. Um, <laughs> great. Well, I, I'm so glad you're here. I and mean, this is going to be a fun chat. So I'll, I'll read the last words that we are talking about, which are found in John 19, 26 and 27. Okay. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Uh, Lofa what do you, what do you hear in these
1: words? Okay. Um, there is a few, I think there's a few things that come to mind. Um, the first thing is that comes to mind is the role of family um is not limited to the nuclear family but there is a communitarian nature that's being established here um and I also think about this that when some some interpret it as a new community and how the church should function um, and those who were about as a kid I used to think oh okay so I feel like it's it's those who have, been abandoned will now have a place of belongingness and not only that they they will have someone that they may or they can refer to as a mother or as a son or as a sister and I think that Jesus reminds us the importance of parenthood and the role of parenthood um, in this passage Um, also, I also think that there is something really powerful about verse 27 seven, when the narrative um, strongly emphasizes, and from that hour, the disciple took her into the disciple's own home. There's a sense, for me, there's a sense of urgency of the beloved disciple to respond to this gift that Jesus has given him. And at the same time, although we can't hear much of what his mother has to say, she somehow follows. This, uh, there's a trust in what Jesus has given her as a gift as well. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the beloved and his and Jesus' mother responds to Jesus' word as a gift and there's an urgency to act upon it and it tells us it was of high importance to them. So to move Beyond the familiar people that we are connected to as family, but to extend that connection and love not only to those that we know in our community or the community of faith, but beyond. Um, and just the last thing that I want to mention is that as a Tongan, um, when people ask me about family, I know that our understanding is totally different when we talk about family. Yeah. When when it's family, I think about, okay, which side of my my mother or my father's side? Um, mm. Family for us, um, Tongans, is more than just a nuclear family. It is your sixth generation <laughs> or seventh generation <laughs> cousins. Mm. Um, it's really about community where you um, where you or those who are closely related, or not closely related, somehow everyone can find a place of belonging in um, in the order of our the way that we see family and community in the Tongan um, yeah Tongan context.
0: Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Where like you know it kind of transforms the way that exactly a particular view like in the west of a very immediate family uh and who you owe something to and then it extends and but what you owe kind of dilutes and dissipates the further it gets to once we're talking about cousins let alone first cousins or second cousins or whatever it's like what do i owe to that absolutely nothing i might not ever meet them (laughs) or do them like i guess maybe i'd I'll sign a card or, <laughs> you know, if one <laughs> of them dies, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, or if one of them was in town, we might have an awkward um, afternoon tea, <laughs> you know, just, to, just because I guess you, we should. But, like, there's not that much. But as you say, whereas in, in, in other cultures, in, in the culture that you're speaking from, that there's, you know, a, a broader sense of attachment um, and, and and connectivity and, and even just knowledge of of a broader family, and then how that then transforms household, and uh, or or where, what it means to to go from one place to another where you know people and
1: have family. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, the, um, when it comes to family, um, you know, then you've got this relationship happening in that um, family, and and then they built their fa- um, values in in that um, relationship, where some of um, some of the characteristics of those um, family values, one of the important characteristics is the reciprocity mm-hmm. and sharing and all that stuff that happens inside the community and family. Mm-hmm. And for us, that's what built up the relationship. And each one of us has a responsibility to contribute to that relationship. And in that way, it all builds up from each person.
0: Yeah, I think that's helpful. Something you said in your first response, which I, I found really helpful in framing this up, was you're talking about how the beloved disciple acts immediately to receive this gift um, mm-hmm. into his household, and, and the fact that you use that word "gift" right is really important. That um, that when Jesus gives, you know, you, you are now looking up. There's a way to read that where it's like, okay, he takes on an obligation right? He takes on a thing of a burden he's going to bear until the end out of, well, I owe this to Jesus to look after, which I think a a way a lot of us would think about uh, that kind of thing. I'm thinking about um, is the movie Manchester by the Sea, where, you know, the premise is basically the uh, um, uncle uh, has to take on the young son uh, not the young son, the almost adult son, but like you know, it's kind of framed up as well. Yes, I guess that's the thing you do, but it's kind of an obligation, and we have to just try to figure out how to best navigate this. And and our society very much pushes that, you know people who are older or people who are the very young are in some ways obligations that we have to kind of take care of as burdens we carry. But so I think it's really important that you say like what it is informing this new family, informing this new community is a gifting, is, is bringing people into each other's lives as gifts, not as obligations, but as gifts who, who help us to grow, to, to navigate the world, to learn more of, of Christ and Christ's <clears> call in our lives.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it—that's um, a really good point that you made there, um, because I think that when we change the language of obligation to gift, I think that's really helpful in a world that's that has moved into the individualism to individualism. But once we start seeing, seeing things as gifts. Um, it changes the way that we think and I mean and I see people's lives in coming in people who come into my life as a gift rather than thinking about the obligations what do I owe this person um so I think that's a really good point you've picked up from um what I said earlier um and And I think it's pretty fair to say we the way things are in our current context i've heard so many people say to me um with physical distancing I've never um i've never admired I've never treasured the time of interaction until now, and being in community and having family now that we have this lockdown and all of that. Um, I think we're seeing it more as a gift to have family and time and all of that, and doing things for one another rather than seeing it as obligations.
0: Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's really helpful. Uh, another thought I was thinking with this, with this passage, with this, these last words. Um, so both you and I have worked in, in university chaplaincy uh, in that age group, and you're currently still doing that. Uh, and that's an, an age often where people, uh, you know, in a, in a, making steps to live more fully into who they are, right, having kind of stepped out of the family home uh, for the first time or at least having a little more independence for the first time, often, you know, take steps to be more truly and authentically who they are. And, and particularly when people, and that sometimes causes friction, Uh, between the family of origin and and who they are now. And, you know, particularly I'm thinking of people of of diverse gender and and sexuality, Uh, but it's it's people who take political stances too, um, of, you know, choosing a party to to align oneself with or a movement to align oneself with that that is not shared by the family. And there can be then a a separating out. And I think, as you say, this word which somewhat relativizes the importance of the nuclear family, by creating a new community based in out of the gift of Christ's life and love, um, you know, is a really good word for people who have been pushed from, from their nuclear family, which should have been this place of support and love, and they can find new families, uh, either within church communities or in many myriad of other ways. Uh, we see this kind of blessed from the cross, this kind of families found, uh, you know, on the path to living a full life.
1: Yes, definitely. Sorry, Liam, my no, mute. Sorry. Um, yes, most definitely. Um, I mean, from my experience in the university, I mean, you have young people who are moving out of home for the very first time, and there's a sense of grief from leaving home yeah, and then the sense of finding a new place of belongingness. And, of course, some of them still look for some sort of motherhood figure in that as well. And I think that that's when the church becomes um, and it's to be open to some of those young people who are looking for that home and that sense of belongingness.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's let's stay with that a little bit. I want to talk about that. How do you think, how does the church, I guess, you know, because you talked a bit about this, you know, the importance of parenthood that comes through in this passage and, and, and as you say, this search for mother figures. And, and so how might the church do this? How does the church become a place that responds to this need for a, a family, need for parenting, need for care and nurture?
1: Yeah, I think that... Um... I mean this is what the church should always be doing is to revisit who they are and ask themselves um who is my brother who is my sister who is my mother and and ask and and, and also ask themselves if that's the role that they want to be and I think there's um and I think the other question is: Do has the does the church move? Has the church move, move, moved beyond the peripheries of their of the church's um, own limitations on who they refer to them to as their own family, rather than? Yeah, I think that's what I um, I had intended. Yeah, yeah. I intended to say, and totally. how do we? How can we? respond urgently with creativity in this time. We can't physically do things but mm. but we we know that we can be creative in um in the urgency of response in the same way that we see uh, the beloved takes the mother mm. um home. And can I, I just want to mention um I know that the term mother and father and sister and family can be problematic. In some ways, um, in the role of the church, Um, I mean, we we have to acknowledge that there are some survivors of um, sexual abuse from the church. So it is problematic in some ways. We have to acknowledge that. But, um, yeah, there's also the other space of seeing ourselves as a gift and just for the church to practice good governance in the way that we connect with people as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Um, you know, because, you, know, you know, yes, to invite someone into your home, to invite someone into your family and care, um, you know, is a beautiful thing and can, and can create true connection and healing and hope, but yes, it, it, but then if it is violated, uh, it, it is all the more abhorrent and and all the more damaging. Um, so I think, as you say, yeah, it's 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 a helpful image and helpful language, but it's it's one that we have to also um, proceed with with some you know just um, attentiveness.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think the other response of the church should be we. I think. I mean, partly, mainly the United Church, so I'll just pick on our church for now. Yeah, we'll just um, we'll keep it in the family. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we just, um, we need to, to look out a bit more for the young people um, because, I mean, tertiary ministry, um, I... I feel like there's a there's a big responsibility given to us as tertiary chaplains um, to save the church to save the youth, but I think that responsibility should be taken up by everyone. It's not just for those of us in tertiary chaplaincy um, looking after young people um, going to university and school and mm. all sorts of things,
0: yeah. I think that's, that's helpful, and, and you're you kind of, you know, setting up that with this, we've kind of been playing with this idea that with the, the coming together of this family of, of the mother of Jesus and the beloved disciple, uh, that, that both need to be in this kind of position of openness to change, to learning, to growing, to becoming something new. So, like, you know, it's not just taking someone into their house to then make sure they live exactly as, as you do, but allowing a new household to be formed um, in the light of Christ's love. Uh, and I think that's what you've been saying, that there's the church needs to change and respond so that young ones can come and, and the young ones who come or stay or are empowered to, to be involved actively also are open to, to learning and being shaped. And it's, it's, it's all parties kind of finding something new uh, in that space.
1: Yes, most definitely. And I think... Going back to the point that I made earlier, um, I think um, being in community, it's, it's everyone has a responsibility in in building that new that new new home that allows everyone to um, have a place and to feel that they belong in um, in that family. So, yeah.
0: Mm, yeah the one one last little spot I want to kind of land on just because it's been kind of sparking a bit is that you know what does it mean to hear these words you know where we take two people who are who are different and take them now to be a family as the church you know and again let's talk about our uniting church um, you know which seeks to be a multicultural church right which see is is on a path toward you know trying to be an intercultural church a multicultural church whatever language is used around the place uh what does what do you have any thoughts on how this this word, which establishes a new community, a new family, a new uh, household, uh, you know how that might illuminate or, or challenge or question how we think about you know this 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 intercultural question, this this uh, desire to be a multicultural church, which you know again we're talking about the United Church, but s- certainly is is something that I mean basically every church is or at least should be wrestling with.
1: Well wow. now that's a I've never thought of this passage as a crossing over of two cultures. Thank you for mm-hmm. bringing that into mind <clears throat> um, I think I'll go back to the point that, um asking who is my neighbor um if we think of this as asking ourselves as church um who is my neighbor um and thinking of how we take those that uh, probably the stranger and crossing over to one another um, there is a lot of work to be done in both sides to have that crossover because um, because <clears throat> I think that um, I think I'd like to to enter that conversation with more questions rather than um, having one way of thinking about it. So I think I like yeah. the, the questioning of who is my neighbour and who, how does the crossing over um, happen to, with one another? Um, I think I'm just going to leave it at that yeah. for now. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a – <laughs> Sorry, go
0: on. No, no, I think that's a great place to 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 leave it. Like, it doesn't necessarily resolve, um, and there's not certainly a, a normative kind of approach uh, in any way. So, but like allowing these texts to to pose questions and allowing those questions that you, that then came from it, the neighbour uh, about what we learn and what is exposed in the encounter with the other is 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 a great kind of frame to begin with. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I guess transparency um, the openness of one another mm. um, will allow people to be open to each other and I think I mean back to the text you know um, obviously this is um, the beloved is the host <clears throat> who takes the woman um, the uh, Jesus mother in as um, to become his mother, so how does the ho- if we look at it as the host and the guest, how will the two work with one another as well? Um, who is the host and who who will be defining the house rules and I think if we bring that into the church, um, we think about who's the host and when does the host allow the other to take um, to swap roles? with the hosts do they swap roles with each other or um how how will they bring a balance to each other's roles um as host and guest? I guess that's another way of thinking about it
0: I love that that's really great that's a, that's a really helpful way to think about that, that that things don't just get fixed uh in, in any particular way well, for, thank you for coming on Love rinse, Repeat. Thank you for talking about these last words. Uh, it's it's great. I appreciated it a lot. You've helped uh, illuminate the words for me, and and hopefully for many others.
1: Thank you very much for having me, and congratulations on <laughs> your fiftieth episode. Thanks. And uh,
0: if people want to check uh, find you, they can like you know find you. Well, not on campus currently, but uh, <laughs> some of you got some stuff happening online with uh, you know your your Christian students uniting at uh, Charles Sturt University, Macquarie.
1: Paul McQuarrie. Yeah,
0: Paul McQuarrie. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, great. Right. Thank
1: you. Blessings.